I want to read two verses from Judges chapter 7. And the first verse is in, it's number three in the book of Judges. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10 remained. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Say, let all the other people go home. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Lucinda. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Counter worship. Amen. And we're so grateful for the presence of the Lord who is in this place. And we want to honor him in all that we do and all that we say. As children growing up in North Philadelphia, fights between rival gangs and neighbors was common. Uh, we were taught that if you saw a fight, go in the opposite direction or even run. Of course, nothing like watching a fight. So we weren't always obedient. We, ne we were taught never to start a fight, but to finish if someone started a fight with us. We were taught to fight to win, not just to fight to say you fought. And whenever a bully messed with you, the last thing that I wanted to do or to have done is for somebody to tell my cousins, David and Cephas, that I didn't stand up to a bully. If and when they found out, that meant that I was going to have to fight the bully. And on more than one occasion, the person that was bullying was much older and bigger and stronger, and there was no way that I was supposed to be fighting someone intending to win that was twice my size. But I never walked away from a fight when David and Cephas was there because the worst thing you could do was to walk away or be sent away from a fight. If you refused to fight, they would start calling you names. Oh, go home. You don't have no heart. And it wouldn't be that uh, lightweight. You, know, you are this, that, and the other. And wait until we tell your buddies. And I knew we raised you and we honored, you know, this is the Benson thing. And you don't walk away. But if you're not going to fight, go home. Go home. Now, one of the things I knew about fighting with Cephas and David is I never would lose, even if the person started to getting, getting the best. But I would have to take some lumps. I didn't want to take the lumps until they were uh, entertained to their satisfaction at my expense. <laughs> but they would jump in and make sure that by the time the fight was over, I was a victor with my, with my lumps. 
Now, I would never encourage a parent to or a relative to tell their child to fight to prove something. But I find it interesting in the, that the Bible has a lot to say about fighting. God not only commands believers to fight sometime, he actually provides resumes of some of the all-time greatest fighters in his Hall of Fame of Fighters in 2 Samuel chapter 23. You're not going to turn there, but David's mighty men. One man killing 800. And another man on a snowy day running into a cave, not from the lion, but chasing the lion into a cave on a snowy day. Another man fighting for hours in frigid temperatures, fight, fought so long that his hand literally got frozen to his sword. And David himself uh, talked to King Saul when he was uh, being considered as an opponent for Goliath. He said, I have killed, and I didn't catch this before, lions, not a lion, but lions and bears who try to take what wasn't theirs. I've taken sheep out of the lion's mouth and away from the bear's paws. And so David boasted and, and, and said, look at my resume. I, I'm a fighting man. I, I, I'm not unaccustomed to doing what is necessary to do what I have to do. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, those are Old Testament scriptures. Until you read in Jude 1, it says in verse 3, contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered. That means fight for the faith that was once and for all delivered. And as Paul talked about how his life was already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of his departure was at hand. He said, I have fought. I have fought the good fight. And then he says to his spiritual son, his disciple, uh, the, the, the person he was discipling, he says to Timothy in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight. And, and Jesus said these words in Matthew's chapter 11, Verse 12, he says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Fighting is a part of the Christian's job description. Our problem is we are fighting the wrong enemy. We're fighting one another when the word of God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and rulers in high places. We have been called to fight because we are in the army of the Lord. Paul says, as a soldier, endure hardship. Endure hardship. Since God has called us to fight this side of heaven because this world is not our home, you don't ever want to get sent home from the fight. Don't get sent home from the fight. Somebody tell your neighbor, don't get sent home from the fight. What God has called New Direction to do in 2020 is going to require a fighting spirit. What you don't want is for God to tell you, go home. Don't mess with this. D don't interfere with what I'm trying to take back that the devil has stolen. You want to be on God's team. You want to be a part of his divine army. And the reason why we already know that we have victory is the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are what? Mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. In Judges chapter 7, the army of God under the leadership of general, a general named Gideon was being bullied by a stronger and larger, more skilled enemy named the Midianites. God told 
Gideon to pick a fight with the Midianites. Don't wait for them. You pick the fight. Sometimes you need to pick a fight when it comes to standing up for the honor and the name of the Lord. Sometimes you have to pick a fight when it comes to protecting your family and saving your marriage and uh, protecting your children. Devil, you ain't having this. Amen? So 22,000 men, we read in verse uh, 3, it says, Now uh, announce to the armies anyone who trembles and has fear to turn back and go home. Turn back and go home before any weapons were fired, any blows were thrown. No lives had been lost. The Lord says, let me make my intentions clear. Everybody can't go to the fight. Everybody that say they got your back, they don't have your back. They have the wind behind their back. Now, there's some folks that you call your friends. That what God is elevating this ministry to do, you're going to have to separate from them because they don't want to fight. They like church. They like the, the individuals that the Apostle Paul describes. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're like the religious leaders that Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? saying, this people draweth nigh, have a lot of lip service, but their hearts are far from me. Not everybody has a fighting spirit. But if you're going to be victorious over the challenges in your personal life, if you're going to experience the purpose and destiny that God has for you, you better roll up your sleeve. You don't need to sharpen your nails, ladies. You don't have to... Take any boxing lessons, brothers. But you need to understand what the weapons of our warfare are, lest you be sent home from the fight. Now, there's some things that you need to understand if you're going to be successful in fighting for the Lord, for what matters to him. In verses 1 through 3, when you get an opportunity, you're going to, have to, you're going to need spiritual thinking in 2020, if you're going to become what God has called this church to be, to, of reaching your full potential as a disciple maker, Lord said, and Lord said to Gideon, these people who are with you are too many, say too many, for me to give the Midianites into their hands, into their hands. Lest Israel claim for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me, lest Israel claim for itself. God says there are too many. There are too many. There were 22,000 soldiers. And when you drop down to verse 12 in chapter 7 and, and also in Judges chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says in terms of using hyperbole to describe the army of the Midianites, it says that their chariots were innumerable. That, that they were the number of the Midianites far outnumbered that of Israel's army, even though they had 22,000. But God said, too many. Some of these are going to have to go home from the fight, from the fight. Now, the spiritual thought process that we need is, first of all, that God is going to fight for you. He says, there are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. The battle is not yours. Whatever you're going to face in 2020, God will fight for you. How many of you know he is an undefeated, indisputed world champion from time and eternity? And that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. 
And so we just need to get this focus in mind as we prepare to step in the ring that it is God who is going to fight for you and for me. Not only is God going to fight when he says, cast all of your cares upon me because I care, uh, uh, and it means that he's going to, God doesn't just care, but he, he will carry what you cast. And the reason why we need to understand that we don't want to get sent home from the fight is because God not only will fight for you, but God is going to give you victory. Amen. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled because I was in the world, but I've already overcome the world. We have victory in Christ. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And if God is for us, who can effectively stand against us? Somebody say amen. God will give you the victory. If he calls you into the battle, if he places you in the ring, you already have the battle because the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. And he said, I will give the Midianites over into your hands. Here's another spiritual mind frame that we need to have no matter what you're facing, that God wants the glory. He says, let me tell you why it's too many. Israel will say, I have saved myself. Here's what David says in Psalm 37, verses 5 through 9. And you need to read that passage if you are in the ring if you're going toe-to-toe to, uh, -to -toe with the enemy in the spiritual realm, you need to read all of Psalm 37, not to play it as a number, but to abstract from the word of God what he has to say about your situation. Here's what David says. Commit your way to Jehovah, to Elohim, I mean to Yahweh. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the noonday, as the light, and your justice, your justice also as the noonday. What he's saying is that God is going to do it, and he has to do it because we will, otherwise we would be taking the credit. And so when God fights for you, when he gives you and promises you the victory, we want to be like the one leper who stayed behind. Uh, ten lepers got healed, but only one returned to say thank you. And so spiritually, as we are preparing for what God is calling us to, the battle that we must fight, you need to understand that the Lord will fight for you. He's promised us victory, and we must give him the glory because as he fights for you, he will cause your righteousness. You don't even have to defend yourself to come forth. As a noonday. But there's a second thing that you need if you're going to stay in the fight for the Lord. If you're going to have a testimony of how the Lord took you through. If you're going to have a testimony that said, when my back was up against the wall, God brought me through. There's some things that need to be stripped. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I have died. Some things need to die. Some things need to be taken away. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says we need to die to the flesh. Before God elevates, he must. Before God, before there is a lifting, there will be a stripping. Say, there's a, lift, a lifting follows stripping. He must strip us. He said to Abraham, after Abraham waited 25 years, I'm about to elevate you. I'm about to give you a declaration that your faith, even before he told Abraham what the reward would be, he said, I want you to give me what you treasure most. Offer up your only son, Isaac. I'm about to strip you, Abraham. Now, it was after Abraham obeyed the Lord that the Lord said that he counted Abraham's faith unto him as righteousness. That's the first time in the Bible where the equivalent to our faith of Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself. 
in Genesis chapter 22, what we learn in the Old Testament is believers are saved just like we were. The law was given, but the law never saved. The law showed us that we needed a Savior. Amen? It showed us that we were wrong, but it didn't help us to do right. And so he says, and then Jesus puts it this way in Luke regarding discipleship. He says, if anyone come after me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be called my disciple. I want you to know there are a bunch of fake disciples, a, a, a bunch of spectating disciples. We, 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 we call him Lord but we don't do what he says. And I want you to know that until we come to a place where he's truly Lord in our life, you'll never experience genuine joy. You will never have genuine peace. You will never experience the power of the Spirit of God that is available to you to speak into your family's life. The power of the Spirit of God that will give you discernment that you otherwise would not have. And so he says, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, if you're not willing to be stripped, if you're not willing to die to your own desires, your own ambitions, your own goals, and to place them at the feet of the Lord, he says, you're not worthy to follow me. Sometimes we think that the Lord is impressed with us. We think that the Lord needs us. No, we need Jesus. Uh, 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 Jeremiah said, if it had not been for your mercy... I would be consumed. Great is his faithfulness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Great is his faithfulness. And his mercies are new every single day. There's a reason why they have to be new every day. Because we use up all of the mercies of God every single day. Thank you, God, for the abundance, for the overflow of mercy. Thank you, God, for having pity on me. Thank you, God, for looking beyond my faults and seeing my needs. Thank you, God, for giving me sense enough to understand that if it had not been for you, stripping must precede lifting. And so there are certain people that the Lord in Judges chapter 7 says, bye-bye, go home. Some of you, as we challenge you to try something different, because someone has said the seven last words of a dying church is, we've never done it this way before. We're going to ask you to do some things. And he said, you know, this is not a part of your frame of reference, and it's not my comfort zone. How many of you know that God didn't put you on this planet to be comfortable? This is not your home. God chased Adam out of the garden. He said, lest he eat of the tree of life. God, there's no real contentment apart from God. And so we need to look for our comfort in him, not in this world that is passing away. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I hope that the Lord doesn't disqualify you because of you in 2020. They're great things that God wants to do. How many of you know that God wants to do great things? Great things, not just through us con as a congregation, but through you as individuals. Uh, we need to begin to think be above and beyond our own comprehension. And that simply means that we need to begin to claim what God is capable of doing if we would simply get out of the way. Somebody say amen. amen. And so the first group in the 22,000, against an innumerable host of Midianites, God says, let those who would claim that they delivered themselves send them home. Pride must go home. If you're here today and you need to get credit, you need to be recognized, you need to have the light shine on you. you got the spirit of the atrophies where you where you, where you demand preeminence, that you, you, you want the credit. You want everybody to know you did it. It was me. Sort of like the frog that was rescued by some of his 
uh, eagle, uh, eagle friends, and they, 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 they communicated in the world of make pretend, and they, they said, we're going to take all the water has dried up, and so we're going to help you to go to a fresh, fully watered pond, and the frog was really happy. And so they got a twig, and they put it between their beaks, and, they, and the frog just held on with his, with his mouth and, and gripped in. They were flying to a new place. And then someone looked up and said, my, who thought of that idea? And the frog said, I did. Pride comes before the fall. And I want you to understand that until you're willing to humble yourself at the feet of Jesus, until you put the interests of others above your own, until this mind that was in Christ Jesus becomes your mind, the Bible says he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant. He who existed in the form of God and did not regard equality with God something to achieve. He humbled himself. He stripped himself and became obedient even to death for our benefit. When the disciples were trying to find out who would be the greatest in the kingdom and who's going to get the right side of the throne and the left side of the throne and who's going to have this title and this position, Jesus was washing their feet. I want you to understand Pride will keep you out of the fight to send those who would take credit, who need recognition, send them home. Bye, bye. And then he said, let him turn and depart at once those who are gripped with fear and trembling. Fear will keep you on the sideline. <laughs> Keep you on the bench while the game of life is passing you by. While, while you, some of us uh, would have stayed in our blindness and some of us are still spiritually blind in areas where we should be seeing now. Some of us are walking physically, but we're lame spiritually. We are incapacitated to do the will of God in our life because we are gripped by fear. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Fear not him who can destroy your body, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And so he said, those who are fearful and, and trembling, send them home. How many blessings and doors has God opened and windows has God opened for you? But because you were afraid, because you thought people would reject you, because of you didn't think you would be accepted, because of what somebody said, because of your own self-esteem, God had that window closed. He sent you home. From that degree. He sent you home from that job opportunity. He sent you home from that marriage you could have had. He sent you home from that blessing that was right before you because you were gripped by fear. Fear will rob you of your destiny. Fear will mute the, 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 the loudest voice will be silenced by fear. We're so concerned about how we look and what people think about us. When the Lord has said, the outward man, everything that we are putting our attention and energy to, it is perishing. That's why we're not focusing on that which is temporal. We are afraid that we're missing out on fun. Raising children, man, if I didn't have these kids or if I didn't have to work all day, look what they're doing down the street. Well, that's their third marriage. I guess they can have some fun because they don't care about marriage anymore. I want you to understand that when you have a spirit of fear, not only will it destroy your destiny, but it's contagious. Numbers chapter 14, after the 10 spies gave the negative report, yes, the Lord said we can, and yes, it was everything that God said it could be, but when we looked at those guys, and we saw that there were giants in the land, and we saw that the military, not only did they kill you, they cooked you. 
and, and then when we put it in our tabulation and what we saw on Google and, and, and what Wikipedia said, we came away and we looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And the Bible says when the people heard the fear, the negativity, the complaining, the why me, that the nation cried and begged to go back to Egypt. It was only Caleb and Joshua, Aaron and Moses. When you're afraid, you don't think right. You're illogical. You're irrational. You're impulsive. You are in your emotions. But God says your, the heart, the, the seat of your emotions is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately wicked. That's why the devil don't want you to grow up spiritually. He wants you to stay in a spiritual playpen. Because as long as he can keep you in your feelings, you're not fighting anybody. You're sitting on the sideline watching the game. You, just, you, know, you can't even cheer because you're afraid that if you give somebody else credit, you ain't gonna, they, they're going to think that they all that. If you're fearful, go home. You don't need somebody who's going to pull a trigger because they thought that a, a woman sitting in her own house turning a light on was trying to kill them. Some people don't need to be police officers. Go home. Go home. Go somewhere and uh, do something else. I, might, I was going to say something else, but don't go do something. You know, Rubik's Cube or uh, computer games. Fear will limit you. It will age you long before the numbers of your years reflect old aging. And you will be like many of those who I deal with on a regular basis. Their greatest regret is that because of fear, they refuse to say yes to God's command to fight. I'd rather fight trying than to die afraid. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you, if the prideful, go home. The fearful, out of here. You need to make some decisions. When you're around people that are like that, see the negative and how bad it's going to be and it's going to turn out, it's always dark and the sun is never shining, you need to check that spirit. That is not the spirit of the Lord. That is not God's spirit. I don't care what you're going through. He, now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have momentarily fear, momentary fear. I'm talking about being terrorized and dominated by fear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me move on. Am I helping anybody? Here's another group. So he brought the people down to the water, verses 5 through 8. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog, cup the water. And he's watching while he's waiting. Watching, because you know, this is not a movie theater. This is not a practice rehearsal. We're actually getting ready for battle. And so when you're getting ready for battle, you can't just be chilling. You just can't get relaxed. So he said, everyone who laps water like the dog, that's who gets to stay. But anybody who kneels, and act like they're getting ready to sunbathe. And, and they're just on vacation. And they're just having a good time. And, and we come what may. He said, send them home. Now, 22,000 have already left. They started with 22,000 down to 10,000. Down to 10,000. And so the Bible says, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men, the chosen 300. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees and they drank. These are the careless Christians, the Christians who are just going through the motion, just glad to be in church. Routine is your highest expectation. It's time to go to church, time to read my Bible, time to quote the verses that I learned 39 years ago, time to, uh, uh, they're not going to break a sweat for Jesus. They're, not, they're going to tell you they're going to pray for you, but they ain't praying for you. They don't have a heart for God. They won't get their hands dirty. They ain't calling you when you're sick. They're not going to visit you when you're sick. And please don't ask them for a meal. They're too careless and complacent. 
I want you to know that there are too many Christians who are on cruise control. Too many Christians who see they, they got their fire insurance and all they're waiting for is to get to heaven and the rest of their time is their time. He said, send those jokers home. I want people who are passionate about God, who want to, who want to, who, who, who want to see the will of God uh, 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 activated in, in the lives of others who are, who are willing to, to call you up and, and stay on the phone with you until you thinking like Jesus. People that don't mind talking to God on your behalf. I'm talking about real sure enough intercessors. I'm talking about folk who will go with you to the courtroom when you have those uh, uh, parent, uh, uh, those, those marital issues and somebody got to make a decision about where the kids are going to go. I'm talking about those kind of people. People that will help you watch those kids just to give you a break as a single parent. Somebody that's willing to give you a dollar or two to have a meal or a massage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I ain't talking about no careless, complacent, passive Christians. Jesus said, you're neither cold or hot. You make me nauseated. You make me sick so much so that I want to throw you up. I want you to understand there are a lot of Christians in the church who are lukewarm, careless, callous. And the extent of their Christian life is coming to church. That's all it is. The Lord didn't call you simply come. He said, I have chosen you that you would bear fruit and that the fruit that you bear would remain. And he says, after you have borne fruit, made disciple, become a disciple, and fruit that remains, you are a disciple maker. He said, then you can ask anything of the Father in my name, and I'll do it. We quote, I'll do it if you ask in my name, but we forget. He said, bear fruit. And fruit that remains. Are you careless? Are you just going through the motions? When's the last time you confessed sin? When's the last time you came under conviction? When's the last time knowing what is happening around you in the world that's breaking the heart of God? When's the last time your heart has been broken? When's the last time you've reached out to somebody, going out of your way, to make sure they could get to church or make sure they had groceries or are you a complacent, careless Christian? He says those who are so comfortable and make Christianity convenient, it's about me, send them home. Here's another group that he said, go home. He said, I will test you. I will test them for who? It's not for you to send them home. Well, so I'm going to test them for you, and I'll show them. He says, then it will be that those who I say to you, this one shall go with you, and the same shall go with, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say, this one shall not go with you, the same shall what? What does it say? Not go. What he's saying is the uninvited. If you don't get invited in the room, God has gifted all of us to serve in the capacity of our anointing. He didn't call you to fight every fight. There's some fights. So he didn't call everybody to be on every ministry. He didn't gift you to be in it. When, when Saul, when, when, when Goliath was sending out wolf tickets and David overheard, and we're going to talk a little bit more about David going back, he said, and, and, and he said, well, who, what, what's, what's going to happen when I kill this? He didn't say defeat. He said, when I kill him, this uncircumcised, arrogant pagan who's defying the armies of God, the armies of God were trembling in their boots, including the king. So they took him to Saul, this little teenager. And he said, oh, my goodness, a teenager. I thought, I thought you guys had. And he said, well, well, put on my armor. And David, in obedience and respect to the king, he puts on Saul's armor. And then he tries to maneuver. And he said, whoa, I can't operate in your covering." I can't operate in your calling. I can't operate in your anointing. I can't operate in the war equipment that you've used. If God didn't call you to the fight, don't you put on somebody else's armor. Your call for your life is your call from God. And you want to operate in the call of God on your life. And, 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 and unless you are invited by him, I keep saying this, 
Did God, what is God saying to you? Don't do this because I said it or somebody else told you. What has God said? When you do it because of me, you're putting on my armor. You're trying to walk in my anointing. You're trying to walk in my call. And guess what? You're going to be defeated because God didn't give you the anointing and the strength to do what I can do. No more than he gave me the strength and the anointing to do what he called you to do. Two thousand and twenty, our church is not going to do everything, but one thing we will do. This one thing we I do, Paul says, we are going to be a disciple-making church. That is what we're going to do. And if we can't see how it's making disciples, followers of Jesus, who are maturing and being conformed to the image of Christ, we're not doing that. Uninvited people, bye bye. Doesn't mean that there won't be other fights. When we have the opportunities, God wants us to succeed, not to fail. And if you fight and you go jump in, I remember I was dealing with a Muslim, and I just wanted to show off how much Bible I knew. After I had been in sin the very night before, that dude chewed me up and down. I almost converted to Islam. <laughs> <laughs> By the time I was just, I was just arrogant. I, that, that wasn't a fight that God invited me to. I picked that fight, and boy, try to get that dude. All, okay, hey, man, praise the Lord. I don't know if I say pray for me, brother, but I, I had to get out of there. And then I did it in a men's room of all things. We were there for about an hour in the men's room. Here's another group that needs to go home. In verse 16, he says, Then divide the 300 men into three companies and put the trumpet into every man's hand with an empty pitcher and a torch inside of the pitcher. He didn't say swords or spears or bows. He's like, wait a minute. We're getting ready to fight, and you're telling us not to get a sword, not to get a weapon, no, get a pitcher with a light. A picture with a lamp sign and a horn, and then talk about shout uh, the uh, a spear for a, a, a sword for God and a sword for Gideon. At my at, he says when I do he says watch me, watch me. God gave me the vision. Watch me, see what I do, say what I say. When I say a sword for God and a sword for Gideon. You say, when I blow my horn, you blow your horn. And when I say crack the, the, the pitchers, you all crack the pitchers. Now, unsubmissive people got to go home. Because unsubmissive people ain't going to agree. Why are you fighting somebody like that? That don't make no sense. We about to get killed up in here. You want me to go out and battle? Then first of all, there's only 300 of us. He's talking about cracking something and, and shouting at We ain't in church. We're on a battlefield. Unsubmissive people will drain you. They will divide the church, and they will discourage you. And then they ain't doing nothing. Gave Gideon the vision, and when he gave the vision, he didn't ask Gideon for. Let's talk about this. Let me let me see. Let's go back. No, 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 no. God gave the vision. Now you communicated, Gideon. The miracle in the Hudson. Remember in New York, that plane went down in the river, and not a soul was died. And what made it a miracle is that everybody cooperated. If one person had gotten caught up in fear and I ain't doing it that way and I'm going to help myself and don't tell me to sit down and be calm. I wonder if there was our, our, our folks on that plane. <laughs> Every one of them. Survived. Why? Because they were submissive. They followed orders. They were obedient. If you are unsubmissive in your home as a wife, as a husband, your submission, God says, submit one to another. How does a husband sit to his wife? By doing what Jesus did. Love your wife as Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for the church. 
Wives, come under the authority of your husband voluntarily because he is the head. I don't know what me too is saying, but I know what this too is saying, that come under submission, and God honors that. And if you're not willing to do that, please, oh, God, don't get married. You'll know before you marry somebody like that, see how they respond to men in their life, their father. You want to marry a, a wonderful Christian woman? See how she responds to her dad. Unsubmissive people, stay home. You always got a better plan than God. You want to dispute it, discuss it, while, while the world is burning. You want to talk about the physical dynamics and the chemical uh, coordinates. No, 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 no. Go home. Go home. Let me finish up. This, this is going to be the final thing. Step in the ring expecting victory. Because of the promise of God. He said, I have already given the Midianites into your hand. Every place you put your feet, every place you go, if I'm directing you there, you're walking to victory, not from victory. For victory. You already have the victory. Do you believe the promises of God? Claim the promises of God when you are the one who is allowed to stay in the fight. Operate in the provisions of God. God doesn't need a whole lot. Moses would say, well, I'm old and I got a criminal record and, and my degrees are obsolete. And the people, I, I tried this before and I fell. The Lord said, what you got in your hand? What has God left you with? What provision do you have? Throw it down. Make it available to God. And watch what God will do with what you surrender to him. You got two loaves and five, you got two fish and five loaves of bread. Give it to Jesus. And finally, the power of God. Step into the ring expecting victory. The power of God. The Bible says that what happened when everybody submitted to the vision, that they blew the trumpet, they cracked the jars, and they shouted, a sword to God and a sword to Gideon, a sword to God, that when the people, the Midianites heard it, they felt like they were surrounded and that they were, and they turned, they, in their confusion, they, they turned their swords on each other. Israelites didn't have to, didn't have to throw a, a, a blow. God put them in, a, in, in, dis, in, in, in total disarray. And then they fled. And then the blessing was, Gideon said to all the people that went home, now that they're in flight, you guys can come back and help. <laughs> That's kind of how it worked when you get sent home from the battle. You get to enjoy, enjoy the, the new house for God. You get to enjoy uh, 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 youth being empowered to make disciples. You get to enjoy millennials being mobilized to make disciples. You get to see radical uh, uh, evangelism uh, making disciples to make, make disciples. You get the benefits of the result, but you didn't lift a finger. You don't want to get sent home. So I don't want to get sent home from the fight. I'm asking you, do you want to get sent home? All right, well, you better swallow your pride. You need to swallow your fear. You can't be complacent. You can't be unsubmissive. You can't be in the fight and God never invited you. Stand with me. David did not know that when he submitted to his father's instructions to take some cheese and bread, sometimes this is what messes us up. While everybody else is on the battlefield, while everybody else is being written about and talked about, I'm dealing with cheese and bread and smelly sheep. Totally in, in, in isolation. There's nothing significant about taking care of smelly sheep or bringing cheese and bread, but he obeyed. You might be bringing some cheese and bread right now 
in your marriage, at work. But if you're obedient, in his obedience, he found himself at the battle site. And that was the time when Goliath comes out. Who wants to rumble with me? Who think they can take me down? If you guys can take me down, you win. If I take you down, the Midianites, the, uh, the Philistines win. And he just went on. Now he was, and they start cursing God. And David said, whoa, is, I, is, is am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? This is a teenager. Somebody bad-mouthing my mama? You know how we used to be. You can talk about anybody. We can even talk about But don't you? You talking about mama? Come on. Oh, no. But this is God. And David said, what will be the outcome if somebody killed when I kill this joke? And they took him to Saul. So David, in his obedience, was invited to the fight. It doesn't mean that there was not normal fear. But in spite of his fear, he refused to submit to it. And he stood before the giant, Goliath. And Goliath started wolf-ticking. All kinds of this, that, and the other. You little, you know, scrawny kid. And David says, the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. But what happened for David will happen for you. If God called you into the battle, he has called us to be makers of disciples. He's called us to pour our lives into others, to make a mark for eternity. He has already given you the victory. You don't have to sit on the sideline. You, there's no need for being a bench warmer. There's no need for throwing your hands up. If God has called you into the battle, I'm not going to give my family up. I'm not going to let my marriage be stolen. I'm not going to give my children the drugs. I'm not going to give them everything but Jesus. I'm going to get them to church. I'm going to get them the word. I'm going to pray before them. I'm going to be a model before them. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. Because when we obey the Lord, not only will we be in the battle, but you have the victory.